Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. And yes, uh, she does require us to say the nickname in full. Most Every time. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. If you're listening to this on the day our episode publishes, it is Thursday, which means this is our listener mail segment. Uh, for years and years, since back in the YouTube days, we always said that you, specifically you, are the most important part of this show. And uh, we're putting our money where our collective figurative proverbial podcast mouth is. Whew, any landing you can walk away from. Uh, we've got some good ones today, some some pretty startling things. And we always know it's a good one. Like, I was looking back at some of the prep we've done for this, and I realized, mm -hmm. I realized that at least two of these are things that we should have already done an episode on. So this oh, is yeah. our way of exploring these. 
I can go ahead and kick us off if you all would like to hear a tale of a, a, a very strange phenomenon. Um, I would love most, to. Most definitely. And I think I know what it is. And it's something that has fascinated, I know, us for a long time. Yeah, agreed. So this this is actually a series of emails. It comes from someone named Caesar, Caesar L. Caesar, you said, hello, guys, big fan of the show. Would love it if you guys could discuss this strange and bizarre case of the death of Jenny Safin. I remember this being one of the first stories of the strange and paranormal growing up and reading about this in a paranormal and conspiracies book when I was a kid at my public library. Spontaneous human combustion. Yes, when a living person just explodes entirely. It's an odd phenomenon. Signing off. Thank you so much for writing into the show, Caesar. I have to say, just speaking for myself, I didn't believe we hadn't covered this at first because there's so many episodes. And I went back and I was like, but surely people are catching on fire. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I I didn't realize that there was evidence of this being a a confirmed phenomenon. I thought this was more of like in the realm of speculation and kind of fringy stuff. But this apparently is a a coroner's ruling, right? Well, yes, we're I think we're going to get into kind of the the history of it and how we get to. The, the story of uh, Janine Safin, right, Ben? What, what are you thinking? Do you want to start with Janine Safin and then go backwards? Well, let's start. Uh, let's start with spontaneous human combustion, then go okay. to Janine Safin, and then we'll talk about why this remains such a God forgive me hot topic uh, here in 2020. So, not the mall <laughs> store, but I, if you work there, I hope you're doing well. So, spontaneous <laughs> combustion. Right. Spontaneous human combustion is just a uh, creepy, controversial proposed form of something that's very real. Spontaneous combustion. When any object due to some sort of chemical reaction burst into flames without without being visibly ignited by an external heat source. Right. You you hear about these kinds of disasters happening uh, all the time on very small levels and very large levels. The idea of this happening to living human beings, spontaneous human combustion is generally meant to uh, describe living human beings catching on fire. Uh, You find the first descriptions of this date all the way back to 1663. A Danish anatomist named Thomas Bartholin, and he was the first person to document in writing the concept of what we call spontaneous human combustion. He describes how a very unfortunate woman in Paris apparently went up in ashes and smoke while she was asleep. The interesting thing here, all right, I don't want to sound cold when I say interesting, but one of the strange things here is that she was sleeping on a straw mattress and this mattress was not damaged in any way by the fire. So how crazy is that? Right. A fire occurred on top of straw and it didn't burn. And this is not an uncommon occurrence when it comes to spontaneous human combustion uh, alleged cases. Well, the, the idea that it somehow like only affects the individual and not the the substances or, or surfaces around them. Right. We'll see some of this uh, conversation in the, in the specific case that 
you mentioned Caesar. Uh, it is fascinating because what we know that, uh, I guess the way I always I always learn it, we know that fire makes friends, right? Mm-hmm. Fire is a gregarious thing. So it usually will branch out whenever it's given the opportunity to do so. So this case in Paris is not the only case wherein someone has apparently burned themselves out without making a mark on the external environment. Uh, If you fast forward just a few years to 1673, there was a French writer named Jonas Dupont who published a collection of what he thought of as confirmed cases of SHC, spontaneous human combustion. And there seems to be a pattern because hundreds of other descriptions of varying credibility have come in the intervening decades. And typically, here's what happens. The victim is almost completely consumed. They are usually in their home when this happens. And coroners who get to the scene have occasionally described a sweet, smoky smell in the room where this event occurred. Uh, Yeah. There are also things people think they notice based on the photographic evidence, right, of these alleged incidents of combustion. Uh, Often the corpse's torso or head may be severely charred, like beyond recognition, but some of their extremities are intact. Hands, feet, maybe parts of the, the limbs, like the legs and the arms. And to get even stranger with it, there have been reports about SHC saying that victims didn't completely burst into flame. They just developed strange burns on some specific part of their body. So we know that there are a couple things that need to happen for spontaneous combustion. First, an object has to be heated to its ignition temperature, whatever that is, right? And once it hits that point, it'll catch on fire without being exposed to an external flame of any sort. If the heat building up inside an object can't escape, and if it's being exposed to a steady flow of oxygen that isn't fast enough to cool it down, then we're looking at the perfect storm for spontaneous combustion. Jenny Safin passed away on September 23rd, 1982. And now this is one of the the go-to cases of spontaneous human combustion that paranormal researchers and authors tend to cite. Uh, The jury is still very much uh, out on this. We know a fair amount about Jenny Safin, the person. She was older. She was 61 years old uh, when she passed away. And you can read varying accounts of the family's reaction. Uh, She was sitting in the kitchen with her father, and her father was looking away And then when he looked back, suddenly she was aflame. And so he and his son-in-law put out the fire using water from the kitchen. They called an ambulance. She was treated on the way to the hospital by paramedics. She was transferred to a burn unit. And then she unfortunately passed away eight days after the original fired injury. So the combustion did not consume her in the moment. Right. And, and there's a specific uh, type of fire that's associated with this in all these cases, um, especially in this 1982 case, uh, the idea of it being this very bright kind of blue flame. Um, and like you said, Ben, her 
uh, brother-in-law uh, has been on the record, a guy named Don Carroll, um, in 1998, did an interview talking about that very blue flame and how it was shooting out of her mouth and her body, her her, her torso. Uh, and he described her as roaring like a dragon um, and said that none of the surfaces or materials or parts of the kitchen where they were seated were damaged, but that her clothing melted off of her. And it was never something that was ruled Spontaneous human combustion in the uh, the coroner report, but um, this gentleman feels very certain about what he witnessed. Yeah, that's an interesting point that we need to hit about the clothing because the the idea for what I would call orthodox spontaneous human combustion necessitates objects in the external environment not being burned, and originally people were arguing that. Safin herself was burned inside unburned clothes. However, later research shows us that her clothes were in fact severely burned. And you can read a bunch of read a bunch of different theories about what could lead to this spontaneous combustion. Uh, everything from someone saying, well, like a, a really out there idea comes from a writer named Larry Arnold who says that spontaneous combustion is the result of a new subatomic particle called a pyrotin. Mm. Uh, there's no scientific evidence of this. This is his idea. Another explanation that might be more plausible for some of the skeptics in the crowd is what's called uh, the wick effect. The idea is that when lit by some kind of heat source, a cigarette, an ember or something, the human body acts kind of like an inside candle. A candle's composed of a wick on the inside, surrounded by a wax, right, of flammable fatty acids. And the wax ignites the wick and keeps it burning. In the human body, the argument is our body fat acts as that flammable substance and our clothing or our hair acts as the wick. So as the fat melts away from the heat, it soaks into our clothing and acts like a substance that keeps the wick burning slowly. This could be why victims' bodies are destroyed, but their surroundings seem to be barely burned because mm. they're becoming kind of like candles. Well, let's just talk about something here. Isn't the human auto-ignition temperature, like what it would cause for me sitting right here to catch fire all of a sudden, isn't it around 1,300 degrees Fahrenheit? Yeah, it's There's not something a, close to that. Not a kitchen temperature that you would find. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And uh, according to the stories that came out of the, the Jenny Safin uh, ordeal from the, I think is what did you say, brother-in-law and the, the father? Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, it was that there was no ignition device like a lighter or anything like that within anywhere in that kitchen. There was just a pilot light on their oven. That was the only like source of flame that could have ignited something. However, there's possibly a pipe, right? There's possibly a pipe uh, from a couple of stories I read. There was an unsmoked or an unlit pipe that was sitting on the kitchen table there, mm -hmm. which would lead one to believe that and it had fresh tobacco in it. It would lead one to believe that perhaps a pipe was smoked previously and then repacked. And I believe, uh, yeah. Ben, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the idea is that somebody knocked the pipe to get the ash out. Perhaps mm -hmm. the father, I believe it was his pipe knocked it to get it out, and then maybe an ash or an ember or something made its way towards Jenny, 
And then he continued to just work and nobody noticed. And then that maybe Ember had something to do with it. Well, wait, but that would require like a serious accelerant, like being doused in kerosene or a, a major gas leak. I mean, just getting singed by an Ember from a pipe on its own isn't going to do a, a thing. Well, you Except know, maybe say, ouch, you know? Uh, well, you know, uh, she was wearing nylon specifically, which is uh, very flammable oh, clothing. That is flammable. And the the wind, well, we don't know about the wind, but the kitchen window and the door, they were open, so there could have been a cross breeze. But yeah, it seems like a terrible lottery to win, doesn't it? Like the idea yeah. that a single ember... Yeah. could compromise you and and honestly you know if you've ever discovered part of your body on fire uh it, it's a plot twist it's like at first it, you know it's so shocking that you're not scared you're just thinking whoa huh. what happened <laughs> yeah yeah i mean dude what we're describing here is like a rube goldberg final destination-esque sequence of events uh everything would have to be perfect you know for that to actually result in her going up in flames in that way i do want to say matt from the article we will get to the the current day example but from the article you posted i love some of the uh ex- explanations uh that have been used typically in the realm of spiritual or pseudoscience you know, to explain Explain these occurrences, things like witches, lightning, psychic suicide, my personal favorite, or electrical surges, um, or uh, actually, this is my personal favorite, the wrath of God. Um, yeah, you don't want to. Yeah, you don't want to incur the wrath of God. That's bad news. So we know that we know that one things do spontaneously combust. That's just chemistry and, a again, a terrible lottery of various circumstances. Uh, two, we know that there is scientific proof of that explanation I mentioned earlier, the Wick effect. In 2001, the Journal of Forensic Sciences published an account of a test that the state of California's Bureau of Forensic Services performed on a pig carcass, not a person, uh, they wrapped it in a blanket and they, you know, did the source of ignition. And after a number of hours, the smoldering fire extinguished and the part of the pig that had burned, bones and all, had been reduced to ash. And when they, they repeated this on British television and they saw that the body in this kind of spontaneous combustion, the body burns very slowly with only a tiny flame or no visible flame at all. and this is important. The heat that's affecting this object, whether it is a person or, you know, a, a tub of marmalade, I guess, uh, the heat that's affecting the object is so localized that very, like, you will not feel the heat if you are standing, in these are days of quarantine, if you are standing six feet or so from somebody who spontaneously combusts, you'll see something happening but you won't feel the burn. Uh, this this is something that like it, it gets associated with paranormal activity. But there's there's solid science behind it, and we also know there are more recent cases. It's rare, but it's a real thing. Oh yeah, and I mean it's not like it's something that just happened in the 80s or the 1800s or the 1600s, as we've been mentioning here. There continue to there continue to be reports of spontaneous human combustion. And it, uh, we found a report from 2011 where 
um, an older gentleman, 76 year old in Ireland was found dead in his home and he had been burned. His head was near a fireplace, which by the way is another common thing when it comes to cases of alleged spontaneous human combustion being near a fireplace, but not being, um, no evidence that the person had like interacted with the fireplace in a way that would suggest something landed on them or they put their arm in or something caught fire. It's generally uh, proximity to a fireplace. So he was found. He was, um, his charred remains were discovered in his living room and the forensics, the forensics experts actually concluded in this case that it was in fact spontaneous human combustion. Unlike in the case of Jenny Safi. Yeah, and that was what I was referencing at the top of the show. This is an article that uh, I think you had found, Matt. Uh, and I, I was surprised to see that this was an official inquest that was, you know, that's what they call it in, in the UK, uh, an investigation into a, a, a death, uh, that this is on record as being, that's like what they think it was. Yeah, exactly. And to your point, Ben, uh, in this case, the body was burned, the floor directly below it was charred a bit, and the ceiling was burned a little bit, but the rest of the house was untouched other than some smoke damage. Yeah, and that coroner, Sierra McLaughlin, is part of the reason that we know about this case. I mean, let's be honest, uh, news of a tragic death in, in someone's home doesn't often go past the local paper or the local obituaries, but because McLaughlin specifically says, and I'll quote here, this fire was thoroughly investigated and I'm left with the conclusion that this fits into the category of spontaneous human combustion for which there is no adequate explanation. Because of that quote, people grabbed onto this, they latched onto it. And people are still, of course, having that uh, errant ember theory right from the fire yeah, yeah, yeah kind of bold though right for a man of science like that to go down this road and this is always sort of hovered in that gray area between science and pseudoscience and that you know a lot of scientists have uh have always said that there there's there's got to be some explanation even if we don't know what it is there's got to be something whether that's an errant you know ember like you're saying or a gas leak that wasn't detected but there's always that that stuff leaves leaves clues and in this case there were no such clues nor were there any accelerants found uh, on the premises at all so it's kind of like I don't know it's this interesting thing to put on an official document um, that's what kind of grabbed me about this one Matt mm-hmm agreed and we can go we can go deeper into the debates around spontaneous human combustion but the takeaways are something like this happens people acknowledge that something like this happens and the the big controversy in the ongoing conversation is focused specifically on the causes of this phenomenon we have some good explanations uh we have some remaining questions the strangest thing about it i would say is that uh, there's not really a way to prepare yourself against the possibility of spontaneous human combustion. So what? watch out. Said, what don't wear nylon. Hey, I don't know. That's, that's, that's scary. That's the scary part. Okay. It's like, whoops. <laughs> okay, I guess. Yeah, I, 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 well, gosh. That's, that's certainly a fear of mine. I have a fear of uh, drowning. 
and of 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 burning to death. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that's yeah. uncommon though. I think yeah. most people in general are anti-drowning and anti-burning to death. Mm-hmm. That's no, why you're not, not wrong. Yeah. Not all of them are anti-birds, such as yourself, Noel, but uh, you know, that's okay. Like I want to clear the air here real quick, okay? I might play up my bird phobia a little bit for effect here but my kid uh even was like we were at the park and then i was pointing out some cool looking birds and she's like aren't you scared of the bird i'm like look i can look at birds okay but they don't they don't make me totally freak out and collapse into a quivering pool of jelly i just don't want them like under my covers or coming at me flying in my face you know that's that's where i draw the line well every human being is an encyclopedic eclectic compendium of specific fears. Uh, And this makes me think, you know, listeners, I'd love to hear your specific fears. The more specific, Mm -hmm. the better. Conspiracy at iHeartMedia.com. We'll tell you where to hit us on social media later in the show. But for now, we can perhaps close the chapter on spontaneous human combustion. Thank you so much for your suggestions, Caesar. We hope to hear more from you in the future. So everybody, do your best not to be on fire, or if you are somehow on fire as you're listening to this, please stop, drop, and roll during our sponsor break, and we'll be right back. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Attention, true crime enthusiasts. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. 
With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Okay, we're back, and you're no longer on fire. Kudos to you. Good job. You paid attention in elementary school. And now we're going to move on to something completely different. If you if you gentlemen don't mind, I'd like to talk a little bit about Britney Spears. Uh, Yeah, let's do it one more time. We, I, I love talking about Britney Spears. <laughs> do it one more time. There we go. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay, well yeah, wow. I'm sorry. I'm a dad. No, no. I, I'm glad you're here. That was awesome. I don't know, man. I just remember when Britney came out, uh, I was, I don't know if I was a little young for that demo or whatever, but I certainly was like, who is this? And then it was more like, you know, because she looked like this kind of nymphette, kind of almost Lolita-esque figure where she was meant to be, seem really young. And she had this weird baby voice and she was wearing like Catholic schoolgirl outfits, but doing some very provocative dance moves mind you. Um, but, you know, it was one of those things where it was like, it was manufactured to be a little titillating, but also safe and not too, you know, uh, provocative, but also kind of occupy this really interesting middle ground. Uh, and same with like boy bands and, and, and Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and all that. Like they, there's something about them that was designed to just dip your toe in the water of sexuality. Uh, I think Brittany, though, with her midriff shirt and the whole kind of thrustiness of the dance moves might have pushed it a little further than the the boy bands did. Uh, but that was me coming from like a prepubescent uh, tween, I guess. So that, that's my memory of, of early Brittany. Um, but y'all may remember, I think it was in like 2007-ish, Brittany Spears had a pretty public... Um, struggle with mental health. Uh, she, you know, kind of went off the grid uh, and, and was uh, difficult for her handlers to control. Let's say she shaved her head, uh, got very publicly married, like in a Vegas ceremony and all of that. That was all, I'm, I'm kind of confusing the timelines here. So forgive me. But at the end of the day, uh, she was forced into a conservatorship situation where her father and some other, um, you know, kind of representatives basically controlled not only her fortune and all of her business decisions, but in many respects, her her daily life and the way she was able to, you know, be an independent human being. And we got a call um, about this from Chase, uh, who wanted us to talk a little bit about the hashtag Free Britney movement or conspiracy theory. Hey guys, this is Chase calling from Seattle, Washington, and I was uh, interested listening to your K-pop episode about because uh, you mentioned Britney Spears, and a lot of people have been talking recently on the internet about Britney Spears' conservatorship. I think that's the word. Um, the control that she's been placed under since her breakdown in 2008, and the lack of control she has over her finances and her life. Um, it's being brought to light recently because of her uh, somewhat coded post she made on Instagram calling for a general strike. Um, 
in a way that is a huge risk for herself. Um, and I think this would be a really interesting thing for you guys to look into, whether or not you do an episode. It's just a fascinating look at the music industry in America and what happens to our own pop stars. Um, all right. Hope you all are staying safe and uh, have a good one. Thanks for writing in, Chase. This is this is an episode that we had we thought about exploring in the past, and I, and I agree. It uh, it's illustrative of so many problems in the entertainment industry, similar to some of the things we explored in our episode on the dark side of K-pop. I also wrote down boy bands because the manager of several boy bands uh, could get an episode of his own. He's kind of a monster. Uh, Britney Spears is uh, is still under uh, conservatorship right now, right? She's in her late 30s. She's, uh, she's an extremely lauded, multimillionaire uh, superstar, basically. But, uh, but she still has that conservatorship. I believe it's uh, her, her father, right? That's the one who controls everything? That's the main one, and and I feel like there's been a change um, in some of that arrangement where there was a gentleman that was uh, handling parts of it, of the business side of things, um, that, that quit – uh, very abruptly, and that's that's a that's a big part of the uh, the whole conspiracy angle of this whole thing. Andrew Wallen, um, that's the that's right, that's which is a great order. name for someone who controls somebody else's money. By the way, Andrew Wallet, that's that's pretty fantastic. Could you speak to his uh, his part in this, and and maybe how his departure kind of led to some of the speculation that there was something kind of rotten in Britneyville? Yes. So here's what we know to be true. Uh, Britney Spears' father, James Spears, Jamie to his friends, was appointed a co-conservator in 2008, along with that lawyer, Andrew Wallet. Andrew Wallet has, to your point, Noel, since resigned. I want to say in September of 2019, Jamie Spears temporarily stepped aside, partially or apparently, the media believe, due to his own health issues. But questions about who controls what in this person's life. She's clearly an adult. She's earned this stuff. Shouldn't she be able to be the sole, uh, the sole decider of what she does with her fame, her wealth, and uh, her influence? Well, uh, that's the origin of the hashtag Free Britney, right? The idea that she was being held against her will uh, and that her father and some co-conspirators were making money off the estate, but making her live like a prisoner in her own home. This really upset the father, by the way. He referred to uh, he referred to the free Britney thing as a conspiracy theory, but he does admit there's a conservatorship, and he specifically said there was a quote from uh, just this month, actually, where he, wherein he said, "All these conspiracy theorists don't know anything." The world don't have a clue. It's up to the court of California to decide what's best for my daughter. It's no one else's business. 
Yeah, and it's interesting. There's a podcast called Britney's Graham, um, where these two comedians, Tess Barker and Barbara Gray, talk about Britney's Instagram posts. Inst- uh, Britney, uh, in the past handful of years, has become very, very active on Instagram um, as she's been largely kind of isolated at her home, and it's become even more active during COVID. Uh, a lot of yoga videos and dance videos and just her kind of musing on things. And I follow it, and it's a, it's a pretty delightful account. Um, She just has this kind of way about her that's very human. She's a little, she comes off a little, I don't know, like she's the, she, she strikes me as the type of person that's been famous for a very, very, very long time. And I'm not saying that like she comes off as like inhuman, quite the opposite. She seems like someone who's handled this in a relatively even handed way. And she obviously loves to dance and loves to perform, but doesn't seem to be particularly crazy about all of the other things that go along with it. Uh, And those other things, by the way, are uh, an estimated $57 million in assets that are uh, at stake here or, or, you know, under uh, this uh, supervision of this conservatorship. And I think $2.7 million in cash. But on that Britney Spears uh, Instagram podcast, Britney's Graham, um, the host actually received a anonymous phone call uh, earlier this year from someone, a paralegal, that claimed to be familiar with the, the situation with Andrew Wallet and the conservatorship. And he spoke to some potentially abusive behavior and the idea that she was basically being forced to take medication that she didn't want to take. Uh, they, they weren't specific about it, but there are some instances of her appearing kind of drugged up uh, in certain public appearances or in certain like videos that have been posted, etc. And it's this idea that she went off her meds, whatever those might be. And then her father or, you know, in conjunction with the conservator, uh, forced her to check herself into a mental health facility in January. And there's, they point to, you know, Brittany likes these emojis. It's very clear when she's the one posting on her account. And there was a post that was quite clearly not from her. It used emoticons instead of emojis. And that was a big red flag to the sleuthy uh, hosts of the Brittany Graham podcast that it wasn't her and that something was amiss. Um, and you know, now she's back to posting regularly and seems fine. Uh, but it's very interesting. You're right, Ben. It really rubbed her father, Jamie, the wrong way. Uh, when all of this stuff was out and he called it a conspiracy theory and said that, you know, he was just doing what's best for his daughter, but there is a lot of money at stake and a lot of potential for abuse when someone maybe isn't, uh, it, it, fully there or able to make those decisions. And that's what's kind of been. And so basically now there's the ACLU is getting involved. They're saying they're, they support free Britney movement. The idea that she should get out from under this conservatorship, um, that she should be able to make her own decisions and that it is potentially a, a negative situation. There were a few instances uh, where users had pointed out, like someone had posted on her Instagram comments, if you need help, wear yellow in your next post. And then sure enough, she wore a yellow top in her next post. Right. So, you know, it's a lot of grist for the conspiracy mill here for sure. But uh, it's, I don't know, it's, it's interesting because it does speak to that whole idea of kept uh, 
kept pop stars, keeping them under lock and key, making sure they don't do anything to, you know, turn off the money faucet. I, I don't know. Does like, it just happen to pop stars? Where's, uh, where's Ted Turner? When's his last <laughs> public appearance? Yeah. Oh, he's hanging out with Kim Jong-un uh, somewhere. But, but what, to your point, too, I, I think we should portray the other side of this, too. Uh, if you want to be involved, there is a change.org petition that has more than 100,000 signatures right now. They are claiming that uh, Britney Spears is not allowed to drive. All of her communications are monitored. Uh, she can't vote. She needs permission to spend any amount of uh, money. And if she, uh, the threat, the control mechanism, at least according to these folks, is uh, the threat of having her children taken away. Uh, mm. And, you know, the concern for people who believe in this free Britney uh, idea is that her father and the business manager that works with, I guess, the entity of Britney Spears, uh, Lou Taylor of TriStar Sports and Management, uh, that they are embezzling from her. And the father right. says that's untrue. But I, I think you're right. I mean, should this, maybe this is an episode. It, it, yeah, I think it is. Maybe we can, uh, maybe we can get Britney Spears herself on the show. Well, she that certainly isn't leaving the house uh, very much, except for doing yoga on the beach, um, which seems to be a public beach because there's other humans around. Um, but even as far back before COVID, she certainly wasn't leaving the house very much. She did do quite a few tours, even as recently as 2017, did kind of a comeback tour. And that's also something that people point to is that she was able to keep her, you know, stuff together long enough, you know, in order to be a functioning performer. And, you know, you can't be on the brink of, uh, you can't be completely uh, unable to live day to day and and take care of yourself and have a relatively normal existence and be a touring, you know, musician, someone that's at the center of a very highly choreographed live performance. I mean, you got to have your wits about you, you know? So I think that certainly points to why does she need this? I mean, she shaved her head one time, you know, what's the, what's the big deal? I, I totally see that point. Um, I would just say my wife showed me this a little while ago and we spent some time just looking through it and I didn't understand. And in all honesty, and I, I hate to say this, I didn't, I didn't care that much when I initially looked at it, but after, you know, uh, Noel, what you've, what you've kind of shared with us today and what we've learned from our listener and from several other people, I'm feeling way more invested in this story. And Ben, I think it is worth our time because we have to remember, we don't know what happened to Brittany while she was an up and coming artist, what it took to get to, to the level of fame where she was like, what kind of manipulation and abuse she may have been um, subjected to. We don't know all the situation with her family. We don't know a lot of things about what's happening now. We don't know what happens behind closed doors unless it's broadcasted you know, on an Instagram page or uh, somewhere else publicly, maybe even with the help of a PR team. So, yeah, there's definitely stuff to look at here, and I'm in now. So, <laughs> on it. Thanks for thanks for sharing. Yeah, I, I agree. This is something we should look into a little deeper, I think. But I just want to point out one thing. There's a bunch of video of her when she was very young on Star Search, and her voice is completely different. She has a much deeper, more soulful voice, and it was very clear that her producers pushed her into doing that kind of infantile baby voice um, that is sort of her hallmark. And 
even later in her career, it was clear that she was pushed away from singing at all and just started lip syncing. I know that's not uncommon, but, um, you know, it's definitely a little weird to see someone being controlled to that degree and having zero agency over any aspect of their career and just obviously kind of being treated like a cash cow by, by all of these people, I would imagine her father included. And I, I don't know the, the specifics of that, but it sure seems like she's treated much more like a commodity than a human being. I think it's incredibly optimistic, almost inspiring to describe that as uncommon. I mean, the the entertainment industry is a meat grinder. Yeah. A- am I bringing this, am I making this up out of whole cloth? Didn't she have an album that was supposed to be released and yes, it had her actual correct. singing that's voice? Right. Or is yeah. that a and rumor? They, no, that's no, correct. they held it back. They held it yeah. back. Yeah, exactly. It was much more her doing her full vocal performance. And I think it was because they didn't want it to interfere with the brand. Well, the industry you know? assumes what the brand will be, right? And if you want to succeed in that industry, often you have to play ball uh, and you have to be what they, you have to be the product they wish to sell. That's why, uh, that, that's why we see so much homogeneity in popular music because there is a, a def- definitive approach. There is a strategy. It is constantly evolving, but it reminds me of um, when I found out that there are like a small handful of people who write the majority of pop song hits. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Max they, Martin being one of them. And they're her, not her who, guy. They're not who you think they are. And uh, they are living like some of them live in Scandinavia. It's crazy. They're amazing songwriters. I'm not knocking them, but I, I think it's I, I think it's common for people at that level, not to have agency or definitely not to have as much as one might hope an ordinary human would have. It really, I think, you know, it was a little bit of a divisive episode, but I quite enjoyed it. The episode of Black Mirror with Miley Cyrus in it, where she kind mm. of played a Britney Spears-esque character uh, named Ashley O, I believe is her name. And it was very clear she was being controlled in a type of conservatorship by her kind of a wicked stepmother type situation um, who ultimately like ended up drugging her. I don't want to spoil anything about the episode, but the, the end of the day, Ashley O as a brand was very different than Ashley as a human. And she was writing much more moody material and wanted to sing in her real voice instead of being this kind of bubblegum pop propped up kind of, you know, uh, cartoon. Um, and, and that's, I don't know. Like I said, you can definitely tell the stuff Britney's posting on her personal account is her, but she never leaves the house, and it's it's a little it's a little odd. Uh, but I really hope you're okay, Brittany. Uh, I hope that yellow top doesn't mean that you really do need our help. But there's a lot of voices and you know that have a, lot, a pretty big megaphone that are that are supporting this. Like, um, what's her name? Um, Paris Hilton has come out in support of this. Uh, there's um, Rose McGowan has, has made a lot of to do about, you know, believing that Britney is, is being held, you know, against her will, essentially. And a lot of that stuff isn't confirmed, but it, it, I don't know. It's an interesting story. Sounds good. I just want to learn more about the spinny dance move that she does in a lot of her videos. Right. It's, it's really fun. Right. Uh, but it does <laughs> seem a little odd. And I don't know if you're telling me something or... Maybe it's just your awesome dance, your happy dance. We could also, I have one of those too. We could also do coded messages or perceived coded messages from celebrities, uh, from uh, people of note and influence. Uh, but 
before we do that, uh, I believe it's time to take a pause for a word from our sponsor and check back in with the weather. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. And we're back. Now, you may recall, if you were listening last week, that we talked about a strange weather phenomena called a derecho, which occurred just a few weeks ago in Iowa and a lot of the Midwestern United States. And we put out a call on that episode to anyone listening that may have experienced it or, you know, been in the area, seen something firsthand. And my goodness, did you reach out to us? Uh, and we want to take a bit of time today just to to go over some of the messages that we got. Let's go ahead and begin with a message we got from Courtney. I'm just going to read part of this. Hey guys, my boyfriend and I were unfortunately one of the thousands impacted by the recent derecho event. We live in the Midwestern suburbs of Chicago, and it ended up being one of the areas where an EF1 tornado 
came through along with the derecho. Um, wow. We found out afterwards that this tornado started two blocks from our house. In addition, Chicago um, Weather Service reported 15 tornadoes, 15 tornadoes from the system for the Chicago metro area. Wow. Uh, They were warned, thankfully, about 30 minutes ahead of time by friends who happen to be meteorologists. Uh, My goodness. Make some meteorologist friends, everybody. Uh, They went and took shelter. is very similar to what we were talking about in the show about five to 10 minutes before anything actually occurred. It was extremely still, almost like if you're at the center of a hurricane, Mm -hmm. then suddenly bam, all hell broke loose out of nowhere. Everything was so deafening. It was hard to tell what was just wind, what was rain, thunder or hail. I think we were in our basement for about 30 minutes before it seemed like the worst of it had passed. Um, Thankfully we can report that, Courtney and her family came away physically unscathed, but their backyard and parts of their house uh, was damaged. Uh, Courtney actually sent us some pictures of their backyard in their home where some trees crashed down onto the yard through the fence and actually slammed into the porch. Um, and so she before was just saying, and after photos too. It is. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Thank you for sending those. And she finishes the message with, our meteo friends, I guess meteorologist friends, make a very poignant comment to us following the event, stating that this storm was absolutely remarkable in all of the ways meteorologists don't want to see. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. So uh, we're glad you're okay, Courtney and family, and thank you so much for reaching out to us. But that's, again, not the only message we got. Yeah, we received um, some statistics Chris B., you wrote to us as well, and Chris lives in Cedar Rapids and gave us a few quick statistics. The top speed uh, hit at 140 miles per hour. That's more than we said because the reporting hadn't even come out fully yet. Right, Mm -hmm. right. This was from the National Weather Service uh, later after we had reported this. 10 million acres of crops are unusable. I believe that's a point we brought up as well, as far as what they would call long tail or knock on consequences of this. 75 square miles of Cedar Rapids took extensive damage. 50% of the trees, Chris estimates, in the area are gone. And Chris, I I, I think you're a great writer because uh, you have lines like, usually when the sirens go off in Iowa, you grab a beer and watch the storm roll in, uh, but they couldn't because about five minutes after the sirens went off, the wind came in like a freight train. Where Chris is at, it lasted for about an hour. Uh, people from across the country, arborists, electricians, and linemen are coming to help restore things, like help get the power grid back and, and get things functioning. Uh Chris, you did something that I I love, and I think it's very important that we share this with our fellow listeners. Chris, you said if you are interested in seeing some videos uh, on pictures of the storm and the effect, we have a group on Facebook called Iowa Derecho Storm Resource Page. That's where we would recommend going if you'd like to learn more about ways that you could perhaps help uh, the areas affected by the derecho. Do you guys have any thoughts on why this isn't getting more media coverage? 
Is it just because of the election cycle and, you know, so much other stuff going on with COVID and Black Lives Matter that it just feels like a lesser story? I, I'm, I'm not saying I'm just wondering, like, I don't obviously I don't think it is for those people that live there. It's a massive story. And it's also uh, 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 has been a much more rare type of weather system in the past. Uh, I just wonder why it's not getting more prominence in the media coverage. Well, I'll, I'll tell you one reason, and I won't fully elaborate on this. I would actually love for you to go online and read this article that I'm going to mention to support the local news in the area. Um, if you go to thegazette.com, you can read, uh, it says, Publishing a Newspaper in the Middle of a Disaster. That's what oh, the, wow. the title is. It was posted on Sunday, August 23rd of 2020 this year. And it is talking specifically about the Gazette staff there in Cedar Rapids attempting to still put out news. While not only while there has been this devastating storm where power is still out in some places, where people are trying to find homes to fix their homes, to fix the roads and everything. There's also a pandemic going on where everyone is trying to be careful and and function. And then to have to work amidst all of that. And when your work is as important as journalism is, it's just a, it's a lot to take in and to get done. And I would just uh, highly recommend everybody read that article while you can and support them in any way you can, if possible, because if nobody is there to report on what's happening from the inside, you know, then how are we going to know at the New York Times what's going on, right? Or whatever else you read. Exactly. Things can so easily be relegated to a uh, remember when throwaway mention years later or something. And and it's tough to answer that question. The news cycle continues uh, for there are a number of factors affecting this. First, people are reading more news, uh, often from more sources than they had pre-pandemic. Secondly, uh, we have many more things occurring that would, like widespread countrywide protest, the, the fact that that is not continually a headline in the news shows us how the and I'm hesitant to say the media, capital N, but it shows us how a lot of those large uh, communication institutions are prioritizing news because they're having things that they're having things they would consider headline events occurring multiple times per week, if not per day. And there's a hard limit on how much information a human being can process. Uh, it's it's something that we don't quite have a workaround for yet, like sleep. So we are we are seeing these things happen. I mean, for another comparison, uh, wh- what about what about the tremendous damage done to Puerto Rico? Mm-hmm. Right, seems a world ago now for many people who don't live in the area or don't specifically scan for that in their news of choice. And there are more terrible storms coming right now uh, as we're talking about this heading towards the United States and that are happening across the world. It just feels like a, an important time to be aware of the weather, mm-hmm. I would say. Inner and outer. Mm-hmm. In- invest in whatever app or website or whatever you need to do. to yeah, Maybe man. just a radio. Dark skies. Uh, one of those emergency radio. Yeah. 
Dark Skies is solid. I think it's like four bucks. I know it's what a lot of the film production people use, uh, and it's usually pretty pretty accurate. I recommend keeping a solar powered and crank operated radio. Yes. You can get a great deal on this. Is what I include in survival kits I make for my friends. Uh, you, it's relatively inexpensive, and the solar stuff it, it's okay. It's not space age technology. The important thing is the crank. Uh, if you're ever in a situation where you lose power, uh, a lot of these crank devices can also have a USB attachment to charge your phone. I think it's worth the investment uh, to be prepared for this stuff. And and now I'm curious about how many stories just ended up being kind of come and gone, flashes in the pan of the national perspective. Uh, it's chilling to think about how many how many things got there. I mean, the main takeaway is that just because the news cycle just because the news cycle shifts, just because the um, the segment on a program stops for an ad break, that doesn't mean the story ends. And these are real people. The, the, these are these are people in Iowa. These are people in Puerto Rico. These are people across the world who are literally weathering the storm and. It's all too easy for people to be other people to um, assume that the problem is solved because the news stopped telling you about it. Does that make sense? Uh, it makes more than sense. I mean, we have we're, we're trained to like think and and process information and sound bites, and it's so easy just to move on. We just kind of have a short memory for things. I think more and more as a as a or species maybe i don't know not to throw people under the bus i mean it's just it's hard uh, and news coverage kind of capitalizes on that because it's how they make their their money again so many of you have written into us and thank you uh just a shout out to kate hayden who wrote into us about some very specific concerns going on right now in cedar rapids specifically with some of the immigrant population that is there and uh, what families are dealing with right there Mm. Uh, you're the one actually who who turned us on to that uh, Cedar Rapids Gazette story about trying to write a paper in these conditions. So thank you for for that. There's also a GoFundMe page that you linked to us. Check this out. This is specifically to aid Cedar Rapids refugees and immigrants. You can find that on GoFundMe right now. Again, aid Cedar Rapids refugees and immigrants on GoFundMe. Or just Google Intercultural Center of Iowa, right, for the GoFundMe? Perfect. That's probably one of the easier ways to do it. Uh, thank you again, Kate. And then, uh, Noel, I was wondering if you would want to read from Michael McCann, another one of our listeners who wrote to us. He's got a very narrative-like story that he's written for us about his experience. Yes, uh, he definitely spins quite a yarn, and he starts with a previous experience being in an EF3 tornado uh, back in 2018, uh, and then fast forwards to two weeks ago, and we'll pick it up there. And uh, he he lives in Marshalltown, which is about an hour west of Cedar Rapids. Mm -hmm. Here we go. We were in a thunderstorm morning, but in the Midwest, we get those almost weekly in the spring and summer. I checked the clouds, which didn't appear to be menacing overhead. Plus, the alert was set to expire in about 30 minutes. So I decided to make the 15-minute drive from work to town. And holy shit. 
I eventually saw in the entire western sky what looked like an approaching tidal wave. I've never seen anything like it in my 40 years on the prairie. The sky was turning black quickly, but I thought I'd have enough time to get to my destination. As I was pulling into the parking lot of freaking Subway, my wife (laughs) called and said she was in the basement with our son and dogs. The wind had picked up, but nothing crazy yet. But I was glad she was being careful. Then I got whooshed. Holy (laughs) s***. Again, most thunderstorms begin with some wind gusts and then the thunder boomies, as he calls it. Uh, (laughs) Then it passes. Uh, This was just out of nowhere, merciless wind, and it accelerated. Then more and more. I drive an SUV and was parked facing east with the storm coming from the west. I slid down in my seat in case something decided to come in the back window and waited. Never mounted a mechanical bull, but I imagine it's a very similar ride. It was 10 minutes at least of just insane, persistent wind rocking me in my car. Wow. I I love that, uh, Michael, you wrote this to us because I was wondering what it would feel like or what it would be like, and you described it so well. Uh, wow. And then, Ben, to your, to your point, he ends with a couple of pro tips. Buy a couple bags of tea lights and stash them. They're worth their weight in gold if you ever lose power for 11 days and always have podcast downloaded to your phone and a cell phone charger for your car. Uh, this is stuff we want you to know. He says, thanks so much <laughs> gentlemen uh, and for your show. So yeah, thank you again to everybody who wrote to us to, to tell us your experiences, to share them with everyone else here. Again, we're thankful that everyone is safe. At least that we've been speaking with, and we hope that anyone out there who is dealing with loss of any kind as a result of this storm, um, We just hope you're doing okay and uh, wish you the best. And we need you here because if the past events of 2020 have taught us anything, uh, there are only more plot twists ahead. You are the most important part of the show. The best ideas for stories come from you. So we want to say thanks to you, Kate, Chris, Cynthia, Michael, Courtney, Chase, and Caesar. We have just touched upon several things that we could spend hours exploring on air. And it sounds like I I always just peek behind the curtain here. I always keep a notepad around to, uh, to keep track of things that should turn out to be future episodes. So no promises on these, but uh, we didn't get to a lot of the research that we had for some of these topics. Uh, Just act surprised. In a few months, <laughs> in a few weeks, and know that if there is an episode of Stuff They Don't Want You Know that comes out that you particularly love, uh, the idea for it very likely came from one of your fellow listeners. And if you want to get in on that, you can do it in uh, multiple ways. I'd say first and foremost, give us a call at one eight three three stdwytk where you can leave a voicemail uh, that might end up on the show if you don't want that to happen. And it's for our ears only, and you'd rather we just kind of recount it and not play your voice. Let us know. Or maybe you don't. You just want to you know, say hi to us. That's fine, too. But just let us know if you're okay with us using on the show uh, and if you want us to, like, you know, hide your name or, or what have you. And there are other ways to get in touch with us as well if you're a fan of social media you can find us on facebook and twitter we are at conspiracy stuff on instagram we are at conspiracy stuff show you can message us in several ways there one of the best things to do on facebook is to go to our page here's where it gets crazy 
You'll be able to talk with tons of other conspiracy realists just like yourself and, you know, discuss what what each episode is about, what you want to talk about, share some memes, anything you want to do. It's a great community, and we've got some fantastic people running the show for us over there. And astute listeners, you may have noticed the uh, ever so often uh, anomalous visual reference that we are making to ourselves in uh, in these podcasts. If you want to find out why we're doing that, what that whole bag of badgers is about, visit us on youtube.com slash conspiracy stuff. And if you are a person who enjoys YouTube comments, then odds are I will meet you on that field of battle sooner rather <laughs> than later. I uh, can't wait. And to- I will be lurking. <laughs> I think I'll give it a pass. <laughs> and can't wait to hear from you. Uh, in the meantime, while we're getting all of those strange mechanisms in place, uh, we don't want you to delay or hesitate in contacting us if you have a story or a topic suggestion that uh, is is moving you. We want to hear from you. If, if phones aren't your thing, if social media is not your thing, we totally understand, of all people. That's why we have one way you can always contact us, regardless of the day, regardless of the season, regardless of the time. That's our good old-fashioned email address, where we are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. 
With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.